if you're a part of a lie when the truth comes around, I think it's pretty hard for it to not burn. Yeah. Because it has to burn away that lie. Like mm-hmm. if I was like, oh, I'm doing my job and someone brought in someone who's like, oh, I can do that plus this. Mm-hmm. That's just a better piece. They can do yep. two things for the price of one. And that would not make me feel good. Mm-hmm. But it would point out like, well, you weren't, you know, optimized for this position. Mm-hmm. And that's why if you're really trying to safeguard against that, I think you got to work for traits about yourself that are universally uh, compatible, you know, like being a hard worker, Mm -hmm. looking for opportunity, trying to be someone who's making a new piece for a company. If you're at a company and you're not actively trying to reduce the pieces in the machine, Welcome to the 19th episode of Smooth Brain. 19? Because I said that earlier, but I, like, I don't quite believe it. That's a lot of episodes. It's a lot of episodes. We've changed a lot. Yeah. Because, Greg, your dad is saying we're less tongue-in-cheek now, for sure. That first episode was definitely a... Uh, dirty. Dirty. <laughs> it was a dirty yeah. little episode. I had I would, a good time with it, though. You it know? was fun. It was fun. But it's like now I'm like, oh, my parents could listen to any episode of this. Mm-hmm. The first episode, yeah. I was like... You don't get to know the name of our podcast. <laughs> is there a dirty little secret, uh-huh. bro? That's the one my mom watched. Yeah, of the course first it one? Is. <laughs> Dude, why? Uh, uh, I don't know. She's just like, I really liked it, but it was a little crass with the, the banana joke. And I was like, I don't remember what that is. She was like, well, it was a lot. And you do. She was like, you do remember what it is. And I was like, I do not. Like, we made 19. That's a lot. I've forgotten. It's uh, like, mom, we say a lot of crass uh, things. Yeah. That's the first time I've ever heard the word crass was when your mom was talking about our podcast. <laughs> and I think I used it like three times after and then I forgot about it. Yeah. It's, it's a good description of like where it's not so much. It's not necessarily offensive, but it's just like. Mm. You're making it dirtier than it needs to be. Yeah, it's a, it's a friendly way to be like, I don't like what you're doing, but, <laughs> but I, could, I could see how it's acceptable in some ways. Yeah. But anyways, we're much less crass now, mm-hmm. and I think we're like almost civilized. Yeah. Yeah. We started out being absolutely blasted too, and That's now true. we're all the way to waters, you know? It's <laughs> uh-huh. like quite the transition. <laughs> I think the being not sober is good for inside work, but like not so great for, for trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a real skill, and it's like you wouldn't try to do math homework while you practice surfing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a cool, it's cool to have experiences, but they probably shouldn't be while you're don't mix and match. Mm-hmm. And it's also like one of those things if you're like drinking with other people or smoking with other people, like we'd be asking a lot of our audience to be doing exactly what we're doing this podcast. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, you have to smoke this podcast if you're yeah. listening if you want to enjoy it. You yeah. know, yeah. I feel like sometimes I ask too much of people. Interesting. In, in what way? I think a lot of times when I like try to like be honest with people, I think I'm asking too much of like assuming they're going to listen to me. Because mm. uh, I don't know, this kind of ties into the truth topic of me being brutally honest kind of works sometimes. And I think it helps some people out. And I think it's important to be honest with your friends. But then there's times like where's the line where like this person doesn't need to hear this right now. I feel like it almost be compared to telling somebody, uh, like if they have something on their face, it's like if there's, if you're looking at somebody and there's something wrong with what you're seeing and they can fix it in like five seconds, then you tell that person. Uh But if you're going to point it out and they can't fix it, like the whole rest of the day, then you just don't point it out because like they're going to be pretty bummed the rest of the day knowing that there's this thing. So it's like, I feel like you tell somebody when you're like, oh, this isn't, they can 
actionably change this now. Uh-huh. And if they can't just change it now, then it's probably like overstepping a little bit in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. An interesting question is, what if you see someone make the same, for instance, I can't fix my hair mm-hmm. in the middle of a school day. So you wouldn't go, you wouldn't be like, oh, your hair is floppy today. Mm-hmm. But if I did it every day, then where does it land? Of like, he, that's a fixable thing, but it requires, you know, him to be consistently fixing it. I think there's also the line of, are you asking for my opinion on that sort of thing? Or do you seem mm-hmm. happy with your haircut and kind of the way you're living your life or the way you're doing mm-hmm. a certain project? You yeah. Know? Like if you're complaining all the time about like, oh, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, like I don't feel attractive and I feel like people don't look at me and it's like, oh, well, you could try like fixing your hair every morning. And it's like, that's an easily, easily actionable item that somebody can do. Mm-hmm. But if, yeah, if you didn't ask and you've never complained about your hair, like my brother, did my brother get a haircut? And stylus hair? Yeah, probably. Probably. Because I think it'd be good. <laughs> but I think if I told him that, he'd go like, I don't care at all. And I'd be like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. You don't have to care. It doesn't matter. And if you're stoked with what you're doing, you're stoked yeah. with what you're doing. Yeah, the advice is that's a, that's a really good way of like, if you're going to complain, you're inviting someone to low-key want to fix you. Mm-hmm. But if you're a happy camper, it's like, oh, you're happy. And if I'm happy, then everyone is Chichis and Cervezas, as my dad mm-hmm. says. Chichis and Cervezas. I love that. <laughs> um, but then there comes like the whole thing that I feel like happens a lot, like in my relationship and in other people's relationships. Sometimes they're like, I just want to complain. And I just want someone to listen. And that yes. that's tough. But I think it is, uh, that's also a space that you need to be willing to be in is just be there for somebody while they work through things themselves. Because sometimes... I'm not willing to listen to other people's advice. Mm. And sometimes other people aren't willing to listen to my advice. And getting back to truth, sometimes complaining is truth. Mm-hmm. So that it, it's, it's not positive, but it is often true. Yeah, that's true. And there's elements of it that are bonding. And then there are elements of it that are really annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's just a fine line. And you walk that line when you complain. It's like, because there's mm-hmm. a, I feel like there's a, almost a line between venting and complaining. Because, like, venting is usually venting about things that are sort of out of your control. Like, there's things happening to you, and you're like, I just want to tell somebody that this thing is happening to me yeah. just because I feel like I need to get it off my chest. Mm-hmm. It's, like, totally fine. And that kind of is, like, that is the actionable thing, like mm-hmm. you were saying. Because those, those aren't really things that they can change. It's, mm-hmm. like, a scenario that they're born into or, like... That's, that's intense. I don't know. But like, it's a, it's just something they have to deal with, you know? Yeah. Or it's like, for me, it's like a coworker that I'm like, ah, this person's just making my life yuck day to day. And I mm-hmm. want to complain about it just for a little bit. But it's yeah. like, I'm, I don't expect you to fix it because you can't do anything to fix it. Yeah. I just want to have a little momentary validation that this is not great. And I find when I truly let myself sit back and listen to other people's complaints, there's value in listening. Like, like, I, I find it enjoyable when I hear you complain about some of your coworker shit because I'm like, that was, that's wild that you have to deal with that, you know? So I think there are a lot of like interesting complaints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what gets me are the more mundane of complaints. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, where's the line of you're putting, you're kind of letting this control your brain and like your perceptions hyper-focusing on this, making it a bigger problem than it is. Mm-hmm. Or the line of like, yeah, it is something that you should be allowed to complain on because it's a problem that you run into and like sometimes you need to vent. Mm -hmm. I I think another good angle too to come at venting and especially if you're a listener of of a way to to kind of be interested in it Mm -hmm. is a lot of the times the person venting is kind of going to be telling you something about themselves while they're venting. Uh Or it's like if I'm venting about my crazy coworker, 
you're also kind of learning about my perspective on that whole like way of being. Yeah. So Dylan really values stability. Yeah. It's like it teaches, it teaches the listener something about, you know, the, the teller. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a little bit valuable, but it's a lot, it's really easy to miss that. I think a lot of the times you have to actively be digging for it. Yeah. And then maybe that's something you can say back where you're not Mm. trying to fix your problems, but like, oh, I I can see that you value stability. Yeah. That must be really frustrating for you. Yeah. And that kind of helps you. And then it at least makes it, it doesn't suck me into the bad energy that you're Mm -hmm. feeling. It's just like me being kind of picking apart, you know? Yeah. It can almost make a good energy too. Cause then you're Mm -hmm. just like, it's almost a validation of like, yeah, like I do feel that way. Like it's like, and that's like kind of good. Yeah. Like validating any personal feeling it can, can kind of turn into a positive. And it's like perspective advice as well. It's nothing like uh, you're not giving them advice, but mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is a part about you. Yeah. And you probably know that about yourself, but there might be a different observation I can make about you that you weren't quite thinking in the moment. It'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe that is why I was mad about this certain scenario. Definitely. I really enjoy when people add humor to their complaints. Yeah. It makes it way yeah. easier to yeah. take down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's usually should be the core reason why you're complaining is because there's a little bit of humor in it where I'm like, my coworker is pretty funny. Yeah. But he's also just absolutely crazy and makes my life kind of a nightmare sometimes. Uh-huh. But I'm like, it's, it adds a lot of, uh, adds a lot of spice into the workplace. The absurdity of some things. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of things I complain about though that are not, that I can complain about that are not that absurd. It's just like, this is just really just flat out annoying. Mm-hmm. And that's where it, it can be annoying to talk about something annoying like flies. Like mm. the kid who's the whole time is like, I hate that there's flies here. And it's like, mm-hmm. we're having fun by the river. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's going to be some flies. Stop yeah. focusing on it. It's, it's sometimes stop focusing, sometimes very bonding and be like, I think it's how long you've gone without saying it. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Once you start mentioning it, flies are the perfect example too. Mm-hmm. Cause like I took you guys to Brenda's tacos in San Felipe, right? Mm-hmm. that's one of those places, really good tacos, really good like Mexican Coca-Colas and everything. And like the environment, super kind of crazy and fun. But a couple times I've been there and I fixated on the fact that there's flies flying around. Usually not that big of a deal, but the second I fixate on it, it becomes 10 times of a bigger deal than it actually is. Mm-hmm. And then like, I can't think about anything else except for like my overwhelming annoyance of the flies. Yeah. I feel like part of that's being present, right? Where it's like if, if you're being present in the way of I'm being present in order to have the best time possible, mm-hmm. that's like kind of a mindset of whether you, you worry about those flies or not. But it's like if you're like I'm eating at this Mexican restaurant in Mexico that has n- no walls, it's just open to the beach. Mm-hmm. It's like if you focus on just like oh, this is just the environment I'm in. I'm basically outside. There's going to be flies. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Food's good. If I was camping, I probably wouldn't be as worried about these flies because I'm actually outside. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sort of just a mindset. Yeah, I can see that. Is there, I'm trying to relate this like, back to like, a, to like the work metaphor of like, I might complain about, cause th- there's a lot of things in our work system, mm-hmm. it, in my work system that bother me and annoy me. Cause I'm like, this could be done so much more efficiently. Yeah. Um, should I put myself in the mindset of ignoring those things or trying to fix them though? No, it's a time and a place. Like if I'm going to go to a really nice restaurant and I'm paying $60 for a steak and like everybody else having a really nice meal mm-hmm. and there's a fly on our table, then I'm like, this is not good. Like the <laughs> fly shouldn't be here. If we're having like a nice expensive meal in a nice restaurant, why is there a fly on my table? Mm-hmm. Like it's extremely different from a restaurant in Mexico having like tacos by the beach. Yeah. Uh, and that should be made better. Because then you're like losing out on, 
you're like kind of losing out on the love of the restaurant. Cause like the, the, the reason it's so good is there's people in the back putting like their heart and soul into the food that you're eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like somebody dropped the ball somewhere and, and is letting flies in the restaurant. And it's like, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. And you're taken away from other people's, you know, like curation too. Mm-hmm. Or in a business, it's like, hey, like people love this place and what we're trying to do. Like, let's work to make this as good as possible. But you said fixable. And I think that's the key distinction. Yeah, fly like, in a restaurant is a pretty fixable problem. Mm-hmm. A fly, but like a bunch mm-hmm. of flies outside in Mexico, probably not going to fix those flies. So no. enjoy your food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Work, do you see a system that is going to be repetitively inefficient? Definitely worth it to be like, hey, guys. When you're dealing like a work workflow problem, but mm-hmm. then at the same time, I'm looking at this like this is fixable, but it's gonna take me talking to my boss, talking to somebody else, to ha- mm-hmm. having them like having, and that person has to drop their ego mm-hmm. to listen to this and take this, not even advice, just being like, hey, like it would be more efficient if we didn't do it this way. Then that that's lessening of- this person's role in this whole scenario, and then mm-hmm. like. This person's getting less work, but it's making everything else much more efficient and valuable. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, businesses, a lot of the times, are just inefficient in general. But I feel like the big distinction there is, like, is the person that you're going to going to have already thought about what you're going to tell them? And it's like, if, they will, if they've already thought about the thing that you're going to tell them, then when you go to them about that, they're like, yeah, I know. Like, I, I get it. It's not good. I've thought about it. It's not worth fixing. Like, don't stop complaining about it. But if it's something that you feel like, oh, this is an unseen problem, that it's clear that we have it, but also clear that nobody's thought about it, mm-hmm. it's probably worth complaining a little bit and see if we can get it fixed. Because it's at least, like, worth putting the idea in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, maybe it comes back and it's like, no, stop complaining. We're just not going to fix it. Yeah. And I, I think that's where it's at, honestly. I've been dan- dancing around the, the scenario, but I'll just tell it to you guys because mm-hmm. it's the it's the music guy for the podcast. And I have to get him like an advanced authoring format of every podcast we create. And then he does the music and sends it back. But then like so many little things get caught up and I have to wait like a week till for me to get this to him. And then he puts his intro song at the beginning his intro song at the end and gets back to me. And I'm like, that's all you did. Mm-hmm. That's all you did. <laughs> How about we pay you for your music as it should. It's your music. You created it. You had the licensing to it and everything. We'll give you a cut. But you just give me the MB3s and I put it on because there's nothing special about what you do that mm-hmm. I can't do. But that's, that's, that's kind of my ego talking, but it's also... For him to take that advice, he would have to drop his ego, you know? I don't think that would be a problem at all. Because, like, you just described a scenario where it's like, I make one person's life easier, and he still gets, like, his payment for it. I'm making my life easier, and I'm making the entire process more efficient. So I'm like, where's the, like, where would even be the fear in that? Apparently, there is some fear in it. It might be a missing variable. There's no doubt missing variables in Mm -hmm. all these scenarios that we're speaking of. But I'm just like, I was just curious. I'm like, what's the, where's the hesitation in other people's minds? I think it's politics versus big business. And I think in this regard, big business is the truth and politics is like the lie. Mm-hmm. Um, politics being, there's a lot of people involved in what you just described. Yeah. And they all have, it's not just about hard money facts, right? Some people want to be involved. Some people want to have 
There's a lot of things yeah, going some on. Some people want to be involved. Some people want to actively, like our executive producer wants to actively involve the music person. Right. Understandable. I want to actively involve a lot of people into my life. But then how much is that inconveniencing other people? Is it yet what you have to ask yourself? Right. And then and also how much is the goal maximum efficiency? Well, that's where the big, yeah. I love when big business, I don't love it, but it's, sometimes <laughs> it's cool to see big business find something that's inefficient and destroy it. And you had that as an annoyance and you get so stoked. Taxis are my example. <laughs> I hated taxis so much. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Uber went, we're going to destroy your entire industry. The whole livelihood's gone. Mm -hmm. And it made everyone's life better, except for the taxi drivers. Well, honestly, didn't the taxi drivers just become Uber drivers and just make the same amount of money? I think they, they made way less, less because it would, taxis less. were dumbly expensive and then oh. they just fixed it. That's a tough scenario. Those are ones that it's like worth bringing up. And then you just bring it up with the wherewithal to go, hey, I know that like there's a lot of people that do this and we don't want to step on anybody's toes, but like we could do it this way. And then it's like you get your answer. Mm -hmm. But that's where we live in the politics side because I do really notice when you bring something up and someone's like, oh, it's a little sticky, so I'd like to avoid it. And mm -hmm. you're like, can we get the bleach out and get yeah. this cleaned up? So that's what's called a bad company. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called a company that doesn't work well. Hey. Hey, we cut it. <laughs> shots, bro. Shots. I'm not well, denying it, but shots. It's, it's, and, but it, well, my company is the exact same way. Like, uh, there's so much politics in my company and so much inefficiency could be cut out. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, you're employing people and, and like people want to feel good about themselves. And you can't just immediately cut somebody's entire job description and expect that to be like something that doesn't go over without a bunch of drama that makes everybody go like, Oh, why did we do this in the first place? Yeah. Like and, we didn't need to do this. And you also have to question at what point are you adding to inefficiencies in other people's lives mm -hmm. and like inconveniences and how much of that is acceptable? Mm -hmm. Cause I think a lot of like social life, you're inconveniencing other people, but like, that's fine. But once mm -hmm. the once you get in the line of business and social kind of crossing in the workplace, mm -hmm that's when it becomes a lot harder to kind of like, should I really just ask this person to work less? <laughs> Cause mm -hmm. like, I know this person and like, they're cool. So yeah. yeah. That's why it's hard to start a business with your friends is cause it gets like really complicated right out the gate. Well, that's mm -hmm. where if it comes back to the truth thing or it's just like, you just be truthful with them or it's like, look, I want to do it this way. I know it might make you feel like you have like less responsibility and you're doing less and, and you know, but it's like in reality, that's totally fine. It's not like your pay is going to change. Like we're not, I'm not attacking your position at all. I'm just saying this one little thing we could just do different. And then you, you'd be, you just not worry about it. And I'm totally stoked on you still. And it's like not an issue. Mm -hmm. Like it's just making somebody feel comfortable to accept like, okay, I'm not going to get in trouble if I don't do this thing anymore. Yeah. And I it, like the way you just described that with the words that you used, it, there was like reasoning behind it and empathy behind it. And mm -hmm. I guess that is the line of honesty and kind of that brutal truth is you might soften it up with like understanding their perspective mm -hmm. and then it makes it a lot more acceptable. And if they're not willing to take it at that point, maybe they're going to have to sleep on it and yeah. give their ego a day or two to kind of like relax. Yeah. yeah. Like that's happening with one employee at our work where it just, there's there's a constant battle of, well, I want to do this to help and I want to do this to help and I want to do this to help and all these different things. And it's like, well, just like, I, I, it's awesome that you want to help out so much, but it'd be better for us if you just didn't. And we're totally cool with you not doing anything above and beyond. And it's fine that there's a bunch of backed up workload. We understand why that is. Just don't worry about it. Just, just take on a specialized workload. You know? Yeah. Just like, just do the regular thing. 
we get why you're not doing all these above and beyond things. You know, we're not blind to this, to the environment going on here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a, it's just an understanding of, of other people's perspectives is super helpful. Yeah. Cause there, cause if, if you're saying the truth, as long as you're saying the whole truth, it's usually pretty understandable. I feel like people can get on the same page about it. Cause it's like a, if you're building a machine and someone has a way to take out a part, so you don't have to worry about it wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you say it nicely of like, oh, I think this would make it easier for everyone. Mm-hmm. That's not that hard to take. But if you're like, I made it better. Mm-hmm. It's like, ugh. Yeah. You know, I, that's not how anyone wants to hear it. No. And at the end of the day, it is politics. That's really what it comes down to. It's just impossible to avoid. But that's like what life is. Like most of social interaction is a lot of politics in a way. And here's a... Sorry to take you guys on a journey. Hopefully I keep you, keep you on board the train this time. Take us on the journey. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think politics and maximum efficiency are both parts of truth. They just are on the different sides of it. Because maximum efficiency is looking to get the number as small as possible, Mm -hmm. as close to zero parts moving. Mm -hmm. Um, Where politics is taking into consideration a tremendous amount of variables. So it's like, say, politics is the Mm 10,000 and maximum efficiency is the one. But it's a circle. It's not linear. There's value in using both parts. Yeah, I think there's a level. I get what you're saying. I think there's a level of like bureaucracy in politics, though, Mm -hmm. when they get so caught up in the unimportant variables where they kind of lose sight of the efficiency. And then the whole system gets screwed. And then it's like literally created just to be like this slow moving process that benefits people and benefits other people's egos. Definitely. And that's where I would make it. That's why I was going for a snake analogy of um, getting close to the one is truthful. It's like I would say it feels a lot more truthful Mm -hmm. because that's like full of virality. Mm -hmm. It's like a very it's like Uber coming in being like, get the out of the way, dude. We're Mm -hmm. doing it efficient. And then the politics side is more like the the end of the tale where it's like it's waning. It's not as visceral and alive. But there is there's a reason why they were brought in, you know, there's some wisdom to it. So would you almost say that if you're going to get to like the one in terms of efficiency, do you have to leave people behind? Because because to me, this almost sounds like social capitalism versus like social socialism, where it's like capitalism as a system is just uh, maximum efficiency, but people are going to starve. Mm-hmm. And then socialism is. uh I mean, pretty wildly inefficient, but less people are going to starve. Where the same thing here, it's like if you want it to be maximally efficient, uh, even like socially, then you're going to end up leaving a bunch of people behind if you're just focusing all on truth. You're going to be leaving out viewpoints, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to be ostracizing a lot of people where it's like, oh, we just have this little truth bubble of people that can handle just straight up truth and it's very efficient because of it. But that's like you just left behind half the population, which is like not good. And I think a way that I'm hearing what you guys are saying and mapping it in my own brain is like if we got all the 25 to 30 year olds and we tried to do something, we'd be able to exert so much force mm-hmm. where if you got all the 80 plus people in a room and we're like, hey, go move something. They'd mm-hmm. be like, we can't even walk there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> yeah. But I think there, 
they're not useless. They're like the no. end of the snake, right? So uh-huh. they they lack that uh, like the punch, but they have some like it depends on what you're asking them to do, though. You know, mm-hmm. right? They have wisdom and kindness. Like write a novel, dude. Yeah, I want I want to listen to like the eighty year olds novel. Right. So yeah. so a pure capitalistic would be like let's kill all the people, all the old people, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. everyone eighty, get them out of politics, get them out of business. We don't yeah. need them. They're bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Pure socialism is like everyone is valuable and these 90-year-olds should just have as much input as the 20-year-olds. It's like someone who's 20 can actually like, you know, get it mm-hmm. done. Someone who's 40 can get it done. 90, you know, we're just happy to have you around. Like, be, be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, it is like, the snake thing ends up working for it. It's like, well, yeah, just all of it's important because mm-hmm. all of it ends up being one thing anyways. Right. But I just think politics... Uh, while it is truth, it, it's very muddying, and I would definitely lean towards, like, the punchiness. So you mentioned, like, um, taking a piece out of the machine, and the machine still works, and if not more efficiently. Yes. Um, how would you guys feel if that piece was you, though? Or, like, what you felt was you? Because realistically, if it's a work environment, that piece isn't you, but that piece may be a majority of your job. Like, how do you feel if someone comes up to you and they're being honest and you recognize the honest truth and they're being empathetic too? Like, do you, I guess you just have to adjust and see if you fit into like another part of the machine. Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, if you think about if you put yourself in that shoes, it's like pretty, a pretty huge bummer. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I'm one step away from getting fired. Like I'm one step away from these people thinking that I'm completely useless, like full stop. And then do you fight for the old and efficient system just because you're like, you know, I... I recognize that the this new idea is a good idea, but I want my job. <laughs> mm-hmm. we, we went through this. So so uh, me and a couple of coworkers sort of helped restructure our department recently. Mm-hmm. And there was one person who we went through everybody's job description. We wrote job descriptions for everybody. We were like, okay, this makes total sense from like top to bottom, except for one person. That one person literally could just disappear off this chart and it wouldn't matter at all. <laughs> Like it just, we 100% don't need their position anymore because somebody else stepped up and basically said that position is useless. I'm going to do that position way better and create my own position outside your department and just work with you guys. So that person is not doing anything all day. Yeah. It's like, we don't know what they do. Like they (laughs) do create from the office. Yeah. (laughs) Like they do something all day and maybe is helpful, but it's like when nobody goes to them anymore for what we originally went to them for, cause we just go to this other person. So at the end of the day, if you get stuck in that situation where it's like, you're getting told like, Hey, you're, you're, you know, your task is no longer needed. Then you sort of lack the self-awareness in the, in the early stages of that to realize that you weren't doing too much and that maybe you should find a more effective way to, to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Cause basically Somebody else just went, I can do that way more efficiently and accomplish way more and then went and did it Yeah, and then made them, you know, basically irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So I guess like the first, first off, you have to like accept what they're saying. And second off is the actionable change of if you really want to be part of that business or mm-hmm. part of that social group or part of that podcast, I don't know. Um, you have to, the next question should be maybe even asking the person that brought that up and they might understand if they brought it up empathetically is mm-hmm. okay. I do really want to be part of this process though. Where else can I fit in? What else can I do that works within this new system? So I guess you have to ask yourself that, but you also have to ask that person that like, what value can I bring? Yeah. And, and at some point in, in certain environments, I think it's better to just realize, okay, 
the value opportunity has passed in this opportunity, I should take this as a big lesson learned and I will bring this knowledge into my next opportunity. Mm -hmm. Or it's like at some point you do need to know when to, it's like, okay, like time to move on from this thing. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, you definitely just have to approach it with like, all right, I'll take the honest feedback. I'll see where I can improve. Let's see how I can fit in. Like, how can I find a different niche? How can I be helpful in a different way? Yeah. And then your next way might be, you might be the guy that's offering maximum efficiency somewhere mm-hmm. else, you know? Yeah. Right. If you can like truly accept that and yeah. change and kind of better yourself from it. Which I think is what this person is now trying to achieve. And That's it's like, great. it does seem like they're doing more now. It's just in a different lane than what they were doing before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether you know it or not, if you're a part of a lie, when the truth comes around, I think it's pretty hard for it to not burn. Yeah. Because it has to burn away that lie. Like mm-hmm. if I was like, oh, I'm doing my job and someone brought in someone who's like, oh, I can do that plus this. Mm-hmm. That's just a better piece. They can do yep. two things for the price of one. And that would not make me feel good. Mm-hmm. But it would point out like, well, you weren't, you know, optimized for this position. Mm -hmm. And that's why if you're really trying to safeguard against that, I think you got to work for traits about yourself that are universally uh, compatible, you know, like being a hard worker, Mm -hmm. looking for opportunity, trying to be someone who's making a new piece for a company. If you're at a company and you're not actively trying to reduce the pieces in the machine. Well, I think that takes getting over your ego. Mm. Because it's like, it, it is sort of an ego thing to be a part of the lie and then be like, well, I'm so hurt now that the truth has come out. Or it's like, it was just your ego that didn't want to hear the truth of the situation. Yeah, and there's so, nothing wrong with feeling a bit. There's nothing no. wrong with being like, oh, that kind of does hurt to hear. Mm-hmm. As long as you recognize that it hurts to hear. And then once you kind of realize that there's a voice that's saying that hurts, and you separate yourself from that, mm-hmm. that's when you at least separate from your ego for a second. Yep. And one of the biggest things that plagues my ego is a sense of, um, I thought about what I was going to say and then it made me be like, you're thinking about thinking. <laughs> That's fine. Um, you feel like you should think about thinking. No, you should never think about thinking. Why not? Anytime that you double up a word, it's really bad for you. What do you mean? Like if I think about where I'm looking instead of just looking, now I'm thinking, are you doing it right now? And that's what? why it's breaking I, your brain? I, dude, I do it all the time. Well, I'll look at Mateo and he'll be looking between us like a normal conversation. And I'll yeah. think, oh my God, I switched to manual looking. Do I yeah. need to look or look yeah. away? And then I'm like, ah, it normally just happens. Like if you're comfortable, okay. it just happens. Yeah, yeah I guess what you, I, I guess I get what you're saying. It's, an, it's a different way of saying overanalyzing almost. Overanalyzing is a huge bummer. Yeah. Um, getting back to it. The thing that plagues my ego is stagnation. Mm-hmm. And my stagnation is often driven by me lying to myself, a small lie, not a big lie, but like a, let's say, oh, I'm, I'm a decent drawer, right? That's not a, you know, it's not a big deal. But then someone says, oh, draw something. And I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, probably gonna, you know, maybe the first time I do it and I get bad feedback and then I go, I thought he said I'm a good drawer and they didn't like that. So I'll just avoid it for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And then I shut down a whole alley of like something to do. You know, yeah. if you do that enough times, you find yourself mm-hmm. being like, I don't really like anything. It's like you do like things. You just didn't give yourself the truth that you need to improve. And that that kind of goes into what I've been thinking a lot with the four agreements is that you have to like, I feel like sometimes I'm being so careful with my word that I won't even say I'm a good drawer. I won't even like specifically make any agreements 
<laughs> because I'm like, I don't want to break that agreement. Like I refuse to tell myself I'm eating healthy and going on a diet uh-huh. because I don't want to say that and then not do it. So then I just don't say it and I don't make that <laughs> agreement. And then I keep on not eating great. You're not doing the four agreements. You're doing the no agreements. <laughs> <laughs> Because I understand the fourth agreement of try your best. Uh-huh. Right. It, it's the solution for everything, you know? Like, I'm not doing it right if I'm not mm-hmm. trying my best. And that's the problem. Yeah. But instead, I'm like, no, nah, no agreement. Because that's at all. just your ego protecting yourself. I mean, because I was almost going to say, like, the thing that hurts my ego yeah. is when my ego realizes that the secondary voice in the back of my head that has all the answers that I need, my, my ego cannot listen to that voice. And then my ego gets upset that it's like so bad at listening. It's like, why can't you just <laughs> yeah. listen a little bit? It's like a little child. Yeah. Yeah. Then it gets all pissy for a bit. And mm-hmm. you're like, okay, yeah. go to your room and like yeah. chill out for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Because I just got the little truth thing in the back going like, you dummy, dude. You know how to do this. Like mm-hmm. there's a clear answer here. Yeah. I just can't do it. I think that's a, that's, that is a point though, where you have to like actively be nice to your ego mm-hmm. and treat it like it's a kid. You know, you can't yell at the kid for being yeah. like an idiot, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that's not going to help you. Like, Hey man, like I see that. And it's going to be, you have to stroke your ego in a way like, Hey man, like relax a bit. Mm-hmm. I see that you missed it. That's all right. You miss things sometimes. I miss yeah. things th- sometimes too. And then, yeah. and that's such a weird internal, internal dialogue to have. I feel like people might even get lost on that. Yeah. But like if you, it goes along with being nice to yourself. If you can accept your mistakes with a teeny bit of grace without like slamming on yourself, you know, it's going to be easier for you to like accept them and go into change. And I think that allows your ego, the room to learn that lesson on its own. Like there's a weird thing of like, let's say somebody else is giving you advice and that advice doesn't stick because you need to learn that advice on your own. But it's like when your second voice in the back of your head is telling your ego a lesson, it's like your ego basically doesn't get it. It's like hearing it from a fully separated person. It's like not till your ego can get a little bit of an ego feedback loop going where it's like, I learned the lesson now. Like, I get it. Okay, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're going to go for it. Where it's like as a kid, it's like, you know, if a kid tries something and fails, it's like totally okay. Like, we'll take a little break, come back to this later. Like, we'll just try again some other time. And mm-hmm. then maybe that time you'll be more ready for it. It's the persistence and the kindness that mm-hmm. I think is like pretty important that a lot of people aren't giving themselves. Mm-hmm. And and that's giving the ego its own domain to play, right? Because mm-hmm. the ego needs the dopamine loop of like, I changed the activity that didn't go well 10 times and it finally went well. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Yep. And that's the way like a kid or a dog, like dogs you can't speak to. You have to show them. You can't give yeah. them a treat because they were in you know, they're crate the whole time. They don't under, they don't, there's no correlation. You can't yell at them for pooping. Yeah. You know, I poop all the time <laughs> and usually I hide it for like three hours and then people come in and they go, you shit on the ground. And I'm like, oh, bummer. Yeah. I wonder who did that. So it messes up the cycle. But if you really uh-huh. like give yourself enough chances and put a little focus on it. I, know, I like what you're saying though. You got to give your ego room to kind of mm-hmm. play its own game mm-hmm. and you kind of have to just almost play the game with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you can't shatter your own reality expecting like great changes. Yeah. And I guess that almost goes in the same way of uh, working with a friend or a coworker and trying to like let them like trying to be the, Hey man, like this isn't the most efficient way to do it. You can't walk in there and just take a freaking sledgehammer to the reality. You know, you gotta, you gotta like kind of walk in and knock on the door gently and then like 
bring up what you're going to say. Yeah. Because right. you want to encourage them to like try again and then do better the next time. And it's like if you just slam their ego into the ground, their ego is going to go like, ooh, never doing this again. <laughs> yeah. Never, not, not even getting close to it. That yeah. or fight mode, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and that's the same thing that happens personally where it's like if you slam your own ego into the ground, your ego is just going to go like, cool, we're done with this. We're never doing this again. Yeah. I like that. Mm hmm. I just have one little, like, it's not really related, but sometimes I feel like my ego is split into two and one half will do something wrong. So the is will say, hey, that's not, you know, we know that that's not the way to do it. Try to do it better. And then the second ego will go, I fucking hate you, dude. You suck a dick, dude. Like, for real? Like, you're the worst. And then... It's just like when you're like an adult and you're like telling one kid, hey, you can't do that because of this. And another kid goes, fucking suck. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Timmy, no, that's not. Yeah. I just think that's funny. That is funny. Do you think that's like almost two sides of your brain? Like, do you think that's a little independent ego for both hemispheres of your brain? Or do you think it's trained behavior and it's the same ego? I think fundamentally it's the same ego, but you could split it into like the creative side of my brain was like, oh, I was trying to do it like this. And the back of my head says, Oh, I know what you were going for, but you live in a concrete world, so you have to have some parameters that make it work, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the uh, concrete part of my brain that does a terrible job, but is very vocal <laughs> when my creative side messes up, is like, dude, you are just garbage. How'd you do that, you know? Yeah, because there's one side of your brain that definitely wants to focus on truth and just goes like, no, 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 you're telling yourself a big old story. This is just bad. This is just, like, objectively horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, I, I get that. I get that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Smooth brain. Smooth, Smooth brain. brain. Smooth.